How is everyone tonight? Good, good. We had snow here in Jerusalem this week. I'm going to ask this question, did anybody go out and play in the snow? Wow, I'm surprised. I was really expecting it to be more kids raising their hands than adults. But I'm surprised by the, by the response there. Yeah, kids did get out. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Um, but uh, I'm, I was kind of like, it's nice, it looks nice, but no, go have fun. Um, it was interesting today because it was a white blanket on the city. And as I was coming into the city, we, we lived just outside of the city. Uh, as, as I got closer to the city, the snow that had been plowed to the side of the road got blacker and blacker. I don't know if you noticed that. As you get closer to the city, the snow goes from white to black on the piles that are remaining. So I thought that was just interesting. Sorry, just a side note. doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> tonight, uh, I'm going to be taking us uh, into our perspective series. Pastor Chad is traveling um, on behalf of the ministries in the United States. So Pastor Chad, we love you. We're glad that you were able to make it out. He, he was kind of trying to get out at the middle of the week and was having some issues with getting uh, his tests and things that he needed to, to fly. But praise the Lord, he was able to do that. He was able to make it to uh, a gathering that he was invited to on Friday. So Pastor Chad, I know that we love you. Thank you for, for being out there and representing our ministry to our partners and to those that support us uh, in the United States. We love you. Um, for those of you that are joining us online tonight, I saw just quickly on, um, on our WhatsApp group, we had 22 countries uh, joining us tonight. Japan, I saw. Uh, to, Tobago, is that right? Tobago, yes, I think. Um, Tobago, Tobago, is that the name? Potato, potato? No, sorry, that's... <laughs> sorry, no disrespect. Um, but yeah, we had 22 countries that are joining us. So we welcome all of you joining us online tonight um, as we continue in this series. Um, so let's get to it. Perspectives. As you know, we've been looking at different passages of Scripture and looking at the, the context and, and the perspectives of people. Tonight, I'm actually gonna, we're gonna look at a, a passage from John. But I, I wanna hone in on something that, as, as I looked at this passage, uh, something that really kind of jumped out at, at me in kind of an undercurrent. But first, I wanna open with a question. Have you ever had um, a physical injury to your physical body? That was really painful, and you didn't want anybody to touch it. Like, it just hurts, don't, don't touch it, don't, don't go there. And because maybe you were afraid or, or you knew that if someone would touch it, you know, I, I, sometimes if you have a broken bone or something like that and the doctor has to touch it, you don't want to touch it. And I'll get to the reason, the point of the story, but I want to I tell you just a funny story from our family. Our youngest son, who's here tonight, um, he's six years old. He, he really, really does not like uh, when he gets a, a cut or a scratch or an injury like on his body, he does, definitely doesn't want anybody to touch it. Sometimes he doesn't even want to look at it himself. So like if something's on his leg, he'll be like, he'll be like doing this and doesn't, doesn't even want to see it. So a few weeks ago, I told this story um, up in the, in the summit during one of our watches because at the time it really just struck me as... How, how sometimes we are, but uh, it had rained outside. His older brother and sister were going to go outside in our yard and play, and it had rained. So I told him he needed to put his rain boots on to go outside. So a moment later, he comes to me. He says, Dad, he had a, a cut just on his, on his ankle uh, that he had gotten a few days before. And he says, Dad, I think I'll wear one rain boot and one tennis shoe. And I said, why? And he said, well, then I can wear the tennis shoe on the hurt foot and it won't touch. The tennis shoe doesn't come up and won't touch the hurt part and I can wear the boot. And he, he had it figured out in his mind. He said, if, I, if, if it's wet, I'll step with the boot. And if it's dry, I'll step with the shoe. And he, he had this all worked out. So I said, go get your socks and, and come here. And he, he sat down on the, on the chair and I'm talking to them, and I said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a problem, Dad. I'll, I'll just wear the, the, the boot. And so he's, he's explaining to me again. He's talking to me, and, and I reach down, and I, 
I just touched my hand to the injured part on his leg, and he's still talking. He didn't realize it. And then he finished talking, and he looked, and he saw my hand touching the hurt part of his leg, and he went, ouch. Listen, my hand has been there for like 30 seconds and you didn't say anything. But until you look at it, they say, ouch. And he's like, it hurts. And so I said, I think it's, I think it's okay. I think you can put your boot on. And so he continues to explain to me. So I grab his sock and I, I pull his sock while he's talking up over. And I actually end up pulling the sock up over the hurt part of his, of his ankle. So I let him finish talking and I, I just look and he pauses and he looks and he realizes that the sock is up over that part of his ankle. And he looks at me and he goes, Dad, I think I'll wear both boots. Puts his boots on and goes outside. <laughs> and I thought to myself, the reason why I felt like this was important is I thought this is sometimes, this like paints a picture for us, I think sometimes of how we respond to God. When there's something in us that is hurt or broken and God says, let, let me touch that and we say, we say, I'll manage. I'll wear one shoe, I'll wear one boot. Don't, don't touch it, God, it's gonna hurt. Don't touch it. And I wanna look at this because I, I think there's some revelation. I think this, at least for me, really spoke to me and I, and I think it, it, it gets to the heart of some things of of. God's dealings with us and what's happening in our world today. And in the context of perspectives, from, from my son's perspective, what he was seeing was hurt. It's gonna hurt. That's his perspective in that context. He didn't want me to touch it, it's gonna hurt. From my perspective, I can see, well, it's not gonna hurt. Let me just help you. Let me help you put your shoe on. And, and that's the context of the perspectives. We're gonna look at this topic of truth from the Gospel of John. And what I noticed about this, we've been reading John, John's Gospel with our kids in the last few weeks as part of their curriculum. And as we had read, read through chapter 7 and chapter 8, some things really, really, really stuck out to me. Um, and as I was studying on this, I realized that John, this topic for John, truth for John, is mentioned throughout his letters throughout his gospel. And in fact, if you look at it, he mentions truth more than any other apostle. If you look at his letters, whether it's, it's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, or his gospel, or even in, the, even in the, the book of the Revelation, he mentions truth more than any other apostle in their writings. So I, I thought, there's something important to him about this idea. There's something important that he keeps coming back to this. So let's kind of set a foundation of a truth that we understand. And, and I, I thought the Holy Spirit was speaking tonight through Brigitte. Um, sh she said, Lord, we, we want to offer that thing that we're holding on to, to you tonight in, in our time of worship. Uh, the Lord really used you tonight, Brigitte, in that to, to just speak into what we're gonna look at tonight. So, Here's the truth we understand. We exist in a broken state because of sin. God created, sin distorted. Y'all agree with me with that? Y'all agree. God created, sin distorted. And then God looked at our brokenness and he said, let me help you. Let me help you. But like this story that I just told you, many times we're like, that's gonna hurt, God, don't touch it. <laughs> Just let me be, let me walk with the boot in the shoe. I'll figure it out, I'll manage. But what if, in order to truly be healed, in order to truly be set free, it had to be touched? It had to be addressed. Just like a doctor, if, again, if you got a, a bad cut on your leg and the doctor would have to disinfect it, he'd have to touch it, he'd have to clean the dirt and things out. Or if you had a broken limb, they'd have to reset the bones. What if to be truly healed, it has to be touched? So let's get into this tonight. First point, truth is powerful. <laughs> and I left this in because as I was preparing this message 
that was the first key point that I had, and I was sharing this with my wife, and she said, that's it? And I said, well, I said, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of stands on its own. Truth is powerful. But why? Truth is powerful because it comes from God. It's powerful, it, it, it has a power, it has an ability because it comes from God. But then I ask myself the question, does truth have an agenda? Does truth have, so like agenda is a, agenda is a word that's kind of like something it wants to do without you knowing it. But how about we said, does, does truth have a mission? Does truth have a mission? And this is what I came to. This is our second key point. Truth has a singular agenda, singular mission, and that is to reveal God to the world. That's it. It has a singular mission, a singular agenda to reveal God to the world. It shines light into dark places. It helps us see clearly. It's like, uh, like an x-ray or an MRI that physicians use to see into our body, to see what's going on inside. It gives clarity. It gives information. It gives us understanding. And this is the mission, the singular agenda of truth. I want you to look at a scripture with me, Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through to, the separate, to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is an effective tool, it, 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 it can show what's inside of us. It's like a diagnostic tool of our full being. It can cut into and shine light into the thoughts of the mind and it, it penetrates all the way to the spiritual being. If I summarize it another way, there is nothing that is hidden from it. Nothing can be hidden from it, it gets down to the very core of everything and it shines light into it. And it brings light into those places. It is able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. And I wanna bring out two points here. Number one, in that process, it has the ability to affirm truth in us. So as it shines light and it, and it works its way into us where there are thoughts and ideas that are good and they're just, it provides affirmation. It says, yes, that's good, that's right, that's just. And it's in those moments that we like truth because it feels good. Yeah, it's affirming. But on the other side, it also has the ability to highlight our brokenness. And truth will touch broken things inside of us. It's not a question, it will. Why? Because nothing is hidden from it. it that's what this writer is getting at in Hebrews. It gets to the very deep part. It, nothing will be hidden from it. And it will touch broken places within us. Where our ideas and our thoughts are bad, it will provide correction. Now, we, we don't typically like truth when it highlights our brokenness because sometimes it hurts. Or sometimes it's scary, we can be afraid. But the reality is when it shines light into our brokenness and it shines light on, our, on broken things, it shows us how they can be realigned, how they can be brought back 
to what God desires. If we allow it to work in us, it has the ability to heal, to restore. And what Yeshua says, we'll see here in a little while, has the ability to set us free. Now, what I want us to understand, when I use the word truth has an agenda, singular agenda, truth is not, it doesn't have a, a desire to, to hurt us. It doesn't, it doesn't have an agenda to bring pain. No, again, using the example I said before, if you go to the doctor and he takes an x-ray, the doctor doesn't take an x-ray because he wants to bring pain in your life. And the x-ray machine doesn't really care about bringing pain into your life. The x-ray machine just shows you what's broken. That's all it does. It gives you insights into the reality of what's there. Truth's singular mission is to bring you the reality of who God is, to bring that into the world. And when that shines on brokenness, it reveals brokenness. So, the word of God is a living and effective truth. John, at the beginning of his gospel, in John chapter one, listen to this, in verse 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. And we looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies about him being John the Baptist, cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, the one who comes after me is above me because he existed before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace on top of grace. Torah was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Yeshua, the Messiah. So what John is getting at is Yeshua actually became in a bodily form the living and effective truth from God that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Nothing was hidden from him. Nothing was hidden from him. He could see into the brokenness of humanity and he constantly presented, that's what we're gonna look at our passage tonight, he was constantly just bringing truth to the forefront over and over, bringing truth to the forefront. Not because he had an agenda to hurt broken people, but to help broken people realize they were broken. Do you understand? And that's why this marriage, it says he was full of truth and grace. And we'll look at this a little bit more because there's a balance between truth and grace, but Yeshua encompassed it. And in fact, I believe there's a psalm, and I forget, and maybe you could tell me, remind me, the psalm that says, truth and grace kissed. This is the person where the balance of the truth, but the grace to say, I know you're broken, but I have a solution, came together in the person of Yeshua. So turn with me tonight. We're going to look at this text in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 30. And let me give you, while you're turning there, if you're, if you're not already there, just give you a little kind of context of how we come to where we're going to pick up. So John chapter 7 begins uh, with Yeshua. He's in the Galilee. He's been teaching in the Galilee and his brothers, being his physical brothers, his family, tell him, hey, you need to go up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Because look, if you need to go and show the people your works that you're doing here. You need to go and be present, be on the stage, show people, or otherwise nobody's going to believe in you. And it actually makes a note in that context that it said his brothers actually didn't even really believe in him. They just told him he needed to go do this. And he said, no, it's not my time. And then it tells us that he goes up to the feast, but he goes privately. He goes on his own. And about that time, it gives a little background. It says the people in Jerusalem at that time were looking around for him. They're, in, they're, they're gathering in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles for Sukkot. And they're like, where is this guy? Is he here? Is he coming? And they're talking about the miracles that he had done. There was this undercurrent of, of conversation. Where is he? Is he coming? Is he going to do miracles? And people are talking about him. And it says that some of the people, there was this tension, some of the people believed he was good, and he was doing good, and some of the people believed he was deceiving. 
the people. So there's this tension that's going on. But it makes a note, it says that none of the people were saying this publicly. <laughs> this is all water cooler talk, as we would say uh, in, in American terminology. Like you, you kind of, hey, what's going on? Did you see that movie? Yeah, it's all that kind of conversation. Nobody's out there saying anything publicly because the leadership had already made up their minds in a way about who this person was and what his agenda was. So everybody's kind of talking about this, but they're talking amongst themselves. They're kind of having these conversations amongst themselves. And halfway through the feast, halfway through Sukkot, as you know, Sukkot is seven days, and halfway through, he, he's in the temple and he begins to teach. And the people are amazed. He's like, how does this guy know the scriptures? He was never taught. How does he, how does he know these things? And the people, and then finally, at, as the feast concludes, he's teaching in the temple and the people ask him, who are you? <laughs> who are you? And he gives them an answer. And that's where we pick up right here in John chapter eight, verse 30. And it says, as he was speaking these things, he's answering to them who he was. Many put their trust in him. So here's his audience. Some of them are going, okay. Maybe this guy is who he says he is. And they start to, to go down that path of belief. And okay. So he turns to those people, the ones who would begin to put their trust. He says, then Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, he turns to those people and he says, Let's, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then listen to him. I'm going to continue reading this whole section. Then they answered him, we are Abraham's children and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Yeshua answered them, amen, amen, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now the slave does not remain in the household forever. The son abides forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's children, yet you're trying to kill me. Because my, words have, my word has no place in you. I tell of what I have seen with the Father so that also you do it. So also you do what you heard from the Father. Abraham is our father, they replied. And Yeshua said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But now you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we, are not born, we were not born of Ill, as Ill, illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. And Yeshua said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For from God I came and now I am here. For I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand my speech? because you are not able to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks lies, he is just being himself, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sinning? If I am telling the truth... Why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears the words of God. The reason you don't hear is because you do not belong to God. Wow. And there is a lot in that passage. There is a lot that's happening. And it feels like a very tense communication. Hey, but wait, no, but, and what I found myself, and this is what I tell myself, and I, I think it's important, what we have to refrain from is looking at this, this communication that just happened, what, what Yeshua is doing there, as Yeshua giving them what they deserve. You're the devil's children. <laughs> because that's not what's happening This is, not a, this is not a name-calling session, although the, the, 
the leaders that he's talking to actually come to that place a little, little later. But Yeshua is merely presenting truth in all of his statements. And what, he's, what he comes to at the end is the reason you don't hear is because you do not belong to God. He's saying what is in your hearts, what you are holding on to is not from God. That's why you don't hear because you want to hold on to things that are not from God and you don't want to let go of those things. And that's why you can't hear what God is saying. I want to highlight two things that Yeshua repeats over and over. And this goes all the way back to John chapter seven. I'm going to read through these quickly. The scriptures are up on the screen. They'll put them up. And it's important because it shows, at least for me, it showed the consistency of Yeshua's words through this time. And realize that there's a lot that takes place in chapter seven and chapter eight. So this is not over an hour. This is over days. Yeshua is speaking the same thing over and over and over. What happens in seven and eight? You know the story about the woman that's caught in adultery. That happens in the context of all of this. Um, the the uh, religious leaders, the priests, and the, uh, the temple leadership send out the uh, temple police to arrest Yeshua. And they come back and they don't have him. And they say, where is he? And he said, well, we've never heard a guy talk like this. And they say, what, what are you guys doing? Don't you do your jobs? You, know, you believe this guy now? So all of these things happen in the context of these two, two, two chapters. But listen to what Yeshua repeats over the first one that Yeshua repeats over and over is he said, my teaching is not my own. John chapter seven, verse 16 and 17, Yeshua answered, my teaching is not from me, but from him who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether my teaching comes from God or if it is myself speaking. John chapter seven, verse 28, then while teaching in the temple courts, Yeshua cried out, you know both who I am and where I am from. I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. John chapter eight, verse 25 through 26. So they asked him, who are you? And Yeshua replied, what, I've been, what have I been telling you from the beginning? Uh, I have so much to say and judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. I tell the world what I heard from him. John chapter eight, verse 28, Yeshua said, when you have lifted up the son of men, then you will know who I am. I do nothing by myself, but I speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is, is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what is pleasing to him. John chapter eight, verse 38, I tell of what I have seen with the father. So also you do what you heard from your father. John chapter eight, 42, Yeshua said, if God were your father, you would love me, for, I came from, for from God I came, and now I am here. For I have not come on my own, but he sent me. For days, <laughs> Yeshua keeps saying, what I am telling you is not my own thinking. I didn't make this up. What I'm telling you is what God told me, what I seen from him, what he spoke to me. And he keeps presenting this truth over and over. And they argue and he keeps coming back. I'm telling you. Why is this important? There's a lot, a lot of that's going on in here. But it's interesting to me. There's a, there's a, there's a concept in philosophy about truth, about objective truth and subjective truth. And objective truth is, let me just give you the context here. Objective truth is what exists and can be proved in physicality. It is independent of our existence. Example, the sun will rise tomorrow. That is something that can be proven through science. It can be proven through physics. And whether I'm standing here or whether I'm breathing or not tomorrow, it will happen. Okay? It's not dependent upon what I think. It will happen. That's an objective truth. Subjective truth is if I said steak is the most delicious food. Now, I know Tyro will agree with me back there, and he will raise his hand and say an amen. But if all of you disagree with me, then that's, my, that's true to me. And if all of you disagree tomorrow, if I don't exist, guess what? It's probably not true anymore because 
it was dependent upon me. What Yeshua keeps coming back to here is he's saying, I am telling you objective truth. Why? Because it's not from me. It is the truth of who God is. Why? Because truth has one singular agenda, to reveal God to the world. That's what it's here for. And I'm not here to cause you pain. I'm not here to give you a bad day. I'm just here to tell you who God is. And you're not wanting to hear me because you want to hold on to broken things. Later in chapter eight, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see this day, Yeshua says. He tells him. Because God had revealed Yeshua's time to Abraham. And he said, Abraham was thrilled about what God was going to do. And in verse 57 of John chapter eight, it says, then the Judeans said to him, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? And Yeshua says, amen, amen, I tell you. Or some translations will say very, verily, or truly, truly. Like, guys, this is, what I'm telling you is, is undisputable. Before Abraham was... I am. This truth that I'm telling you existed before Abraham. And to be honest, probably if Abraham never existed, it would still be true. But Abraham saw what God was going to do. God revealed the future to Abraham. And Abraham, Yeshua was saying, Abraham was glad about it that God was going to redeem humanity. And I told my kids, if you ever have a question of whether Yeshua considered himself to be God, here it is. Why do I say that? Well, okay, you can, you can, you can get the semantics, but the next passage says, as soon as he said, before Abraham was, I am, the next statement, they picked up stones to stone him. There was no confusion amongst the people that he was standing in front of about what he just said because they were about to kill him for it. There was no confusion about who he was claiming to be. Now, John the Baptist understood this as well. If we go back all the way to first, the first chapter of John's gospel, he says, again, we read this earlier, John testifies about him. He cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, the one who comes after me is above me because he existed before me. John got it. <laughs> and he was okay with it. He was like, I'm good with that. I don't need to be greater. I can be lesser because he was before me. Let me bring you to the second truth. And this really is where it gets to the interesting part. Yeshua knew what was in the hearts of the leaders. As we said, truth, nothing is hidden from it. Nothing can escape it. Truth, can, they, he knew. So listen to this. John chapter seven, verse 19. He knew that their intention was to kill him. John chapter seven, verse 19 and 20. Why are you trying to kill me? And the crowd answered, you have a demon. Who's trying to kill you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who's trying to kill you? but he knew it was in their hearts. Listen to the next, and this is just a few verses later, John chapter seven, verse 25 and 26. Then some of the people from Jerusalem were saying, isn't this the person they were trying to kill? So the people knew what the intention was. The people were talking about it privately going, isn't that the guy they were, they were planning to kill? Isn't that him? So Yeshua is not highlighting anything that isn't somewhat common knowledge, but they're like, what? Who's trying to kill you? What? But he's poking at something. John chapter eight, verse 37. I know you're Abraham's children. There's affirmation of truth. Yeah, I know you're Abraham's children. That's true. Yeah, you're right. We feel good about that. Yeah, you're right. But yet yeah, you're trying to kill me. <laughs> There's the poke. But what's in your heart is something not from God. John 8, 39, Yeshua said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do, Abraham's, do the deeds of Abraham, but now you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. So what's happening? 
Truth is working. <laughs> That's what's happening. Truth is poking at brokenness over and over and over. It's poking at the brokenness of the heart that would want to do evil. And he keeps coming back to it, and he keeps coming back to it, and they keep not liking it. And he keeps coming back. And as I said before, it divulges to the point, it gets to the point finally where they just start name calling him. At the end of, at the end of chapter eight, they said, they said, you're a Samaritan, you're demon possessed. Now folks, they knew he wasn't a Samaritan because he was in the temple. <laughs> so this is, not a, this is not a mix of identity. They, it's not like they didn't know, they thought maybe he was a Samaritan. He was in the temple, they knew he wasn't a Samaritan. They were calling him a name because they had nowhere else to go because truth was coming and coming, and coming. And this is how the responses went. John 8, 33. We are Abraham's children. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say you will become free? John 8, 39. Abraham is our father. We heard that already. John 8, 41. We're not born as illegitimate children. We have one father. We have God himself. Why those kind of responses? Why does it keep coming back with these kind of pushbacks. Because they didn't, let me come back to this. Why do they, they keep pushing back on this truth? Because again, the truth is, is just being presented there. And they don't, they don't want to, to hear it. They don't want to hear what Yeshua keeps bringing back, the, the condition of the heart. The right response would have been repentance. And this is what John the Baptist was preaching before. The right response would have been what you're saying is truly in there. And I, I need to look at this as something's broken in me. And I need to allow God to do that. But rather than, than do that, it was, you're attacking me. Truth is attacking me. You keep attacking me. And so I push back because you keep coming at me. And folks, why I felt like this message, why this is so important is because this, for, I see it more and more every day. This is the state of our world more and more and more and more. The truth pokes at brokenness and people say, you're attacking me. You're attacking me. What you're saying is hurtful. What you're saying is harmful. No, what it is is truth. As we went back to the diagnostic machine, the x-ray or the x-ray machine has no desire to hurt anyone. It just presents information. Truth just prevents, presents information of who God is. The fact that it hurts, the fact that it pokes us is because there is something broken in us that needs to be addressed. John, chapter, in his letter, 1 John, chapter one. Now this is the message we heard from him, speaking of Yeshua, and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we, have, if we say we have fellowship with him and keep walking in darkness, we are lying and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Yeshua purifies us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his words, word is not in us. So let me come back to that key point. Truth has a singular agenda. It's to reveal God to the world. It doesn't exist to attack us. It doesn't exist to condemn us. 
it just merely exposes the lies and the, the brokenness that we want to hold on to. I want to highlight something. If you remember in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sin, and it says God comes to walk in the garden as he, as he had done. And Adam and Eve hide. They hide. Why? <laughs> because just the presence of God being around them brought light on their brokenness. It revealed their shame. And where before this, they would have delighted that God is in the garden. They would have delighted, yes, God, you're here. One flip, sin enters. And all of a sudden, God, don't, don't come. Because when you're around me, what I see is my brokenness, my shame. Isn't that amazing? And God says, I, I, I know. I know you're broken. It's okay. This is what Yeshua came into the world as truth that, to show us, yes, you're broken, but as grace to say, but guess what? I can fix you. I can fix you. God's truth doesn't tell people how they have to live their lives. God's truth just presents us with a pattern of God's design and it says, follow this pattern and you'll have joy, peace, fulfillment. God's truth doesn't tell people what they must believe. It just offers us an understanding of the world and our existence in it from the one who created it. That's it. Pastor Chad last week shared that when the disciples went out, when they were sent out and commissioned by Yeshua and they went out to teach, said if they went into a city and their message was received, they were to stay there. But if their message wasn't received, they were to wipe the dust off of their sandals as they exited, as they, as they left the city as a condemnation. In either case, the truth did its job. In either case, the truth did its job. The only difference is, was it accepted or was it rejected? But in either case, it did its job of presenting itself, presenting God. And Pastor Chad said this many times, God loves us the way we are. Yes, that's true. But he looks down at us and he realizes we're broken and he says, I don't want to leave you that way. I don't want you to just manage with one boot and one shoe. I don't want you to just try and figure out how to make do. I can fix the brokenness, but you have to let me touch it. You have to let my truth, and it's gonna be uncomfortable, and you're not gonna like it sometimes, but you have to let my truth into that place. Let it shine on your brokenness and let me correct it. Ephesians chapter four. Paul teaching to the Ephesians because truth is not always easy but he, he gives us some, some advice here. He says, as a result, we are, no longer, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching by trickery of men with cunning and deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all the ways into Messiah who is the head. We need to learn to become truth the way Yeshua was truth. We need to learn to marry truth and grace. This, this phrase in Greek translates, it, it translates literally truthing, not just speaking, but truthing, living truth in what we do, but marrying that with, with grace. Because that's, again, going back to our text tonight, it's, it's easy to look at that text and look at Yeshua just, mm, here, take that, take that. But that's not what was happening. He was just bringing truth over and over and over and over and bringing it to the forefront. Let me point out the brokenness. Let me tell you what's in your heart. Now, I've told you. Now, you get to decide what you want 
to do with it. And our world today more and more is saying, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't want to hear it. But that's why we have to be able to see brokenness the way Yeshua saw brokenness. We have to be able to look at it with the empathy. See, truth is a characteristic of God. Like my hand is a part of my body, but my hand is not my body. God, truth is a part of the character of God, but it, he also has empathy, he has love. He has other components of his character that we see through the spirit. We need to learn these things as we present the truth of who God is to the world around us. We need to grow up. That's what Paul is saying there in that passage in Ephesians. We need to grow up being like the Messiah. So in closing, tonight, worship team, you can guys can get ready. Come on up. I want to come back to John 8.31. Yeshua said this, if you abide, remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's he getting at about this abide if you will abide if you will remain? What's he getting at? When it's hurt, when it's hurting because God is touching the brokenness, don't walk away from it. When God is reaching in and he's touching a broken part and you're like, God, it's gonna hurt. Don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. He's saying, don't walk away from the truth at that moment. Stay there, abide in it, stay in it. Let it do its work in you. Let it correct those things. Let it help you release those things. Let it bring freedom. Let it bring freedom. Don't walk away from it. That's what he's getting at. That's what he's getting at with this. We have to allow truth to do its work. So tonight, application. I just wanna close with a couple questions. Is there an area of your life where you've said to God, don't touch that? <laughs> God, don't go there. Just let me walk with the shoe and the boot. I'll be okay, I'll figure it out. Don't, don't go there. If there is, I just encourage, and this is really simple, okay? Ask the Holy Spirit, this week, ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand why. Holy Spirit, help me understand why I don't want that area to be touched. Help me to see it. Because I think just asking that question, giving the Holy Spirit permission to speak into that area will open the door. So just start there, just start there. Holy Spirit, help me understand why I don't want you to touch this area. And secondly, if you, there's a relationship, there's a relationship that you have that you either avoid completely <laughs> or you avoid having conversations. Now, I'm gonna preface this. There are situations, there are relationships where wisdom is you shouldn't be there. But I'm speaking specifically about situations where you know you need to talk to this person. You know that's the right thing to do. You know you need to talk to this person. You know you need to have a conversation, but you avoid it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this week to give you wisdom, to help you grow, as, as Paul said in the Ephesians, help me grow into the fullness of truth and grace like Yeshua. And give me wisdom on when and how to have a truthful conversation with this person because it's the right thing to do because we need to be truthing with one another. So I wanna just close with a word of prayer. But I encourage you in those things. If there's anything in your life, don't, as Yeshua said, if we're his disciples, we'll, we won't walk away from it when it pokes us. We'll stay there, we'll, we'll abide in it, we'll remain in it. So let's close tonight. Let me pray for you, is that okay? I pray this is encouraging, but I, I also hope it's enlightening and I, I hope it helps us to understand 
the world around us. It helps us to understand our reactions. It helps us to understand what God desires to do in us. So let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, God, that you see our brokenness, but you and your mercy and your love and your grace say, I want to help you. I want to... I want to put you back the way I intended for you to be. God, in those moments where we have walked away from truth because we just didn't want to go there, we didn't want to experience pain, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you help us to have, as Brigida said, a contrite heart, a broken heart, a broken spirit that just says, yes, I see God, I see my brokenness. Holy Spirit, just continue to shine light and Help work those things out of me. Father, we're so thankful for your son. We're thankful, Yeshua, that you exampled all of this for us through your life, through your words, that you lived this out on this earth. And we can look to you and that you loved us so much. And and again, I pray for each person, each family, Lord. We pray for our world and our community, Lord, that more and more is not wanting to hear truth. But God, give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, teach us. Help us to grow up. As Paul said, help us to abide in your word. Help us to to grow up into the fullness of grace and truth so that we can be faithful and capable witnesses of who you are to the world around us. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen.